episode four of Quirkish Delight. This is Kate, and today I am joined with Sana and Zarar. And today we watched Dear White People, season one, episode nine. Some initial thoughts from the team on Dear White People. I know one of the themes that I picked up on uh, was about separate enclaves in schools, whether you should uh, completely integrate schools or allow races or groups to have their own, quote-unquote, separate enclaves. Um, And I thought this episode in this series was kind of talking about that a lot and offering some commentary there where there are two groups, one kind of opposed to it and one for the integration. Um, Also a little bit about um, the main character, and I don't really know if every episode is focused on a different character. This one was about... A girl who kind of had, she had her life mapped out in in a journal uh, with like little, um, you know, kind of like a to do list of things that she she needed to to yeah check boxes that she needed to accomplish and and the uh, one of the items in that she was focused on completing within this episode was finding the one, uh, and so uh, I think that was also uh, layered into sort of the theme of the episode of, of how she found the one and what what kind of um, person fit that criteria for her. So it seemed that her one focus that maybe the narrator was alluding to was that this person that she was hunting was well-connected um, in the industry that she wanted to be a part of. Um, and it wasn't so much about what she liked about him, but rather what benefit he would provide her. That was that was an interesting part of it, too, which felt kind of like almost juvenile in a sense. Um, even when he had asked her, like, what do you what do you like about me? And she wasn't really able to answer. Um, I wonder if she had like a realization moment of like, maybe I wanted this for the wrong reasons or if that even changed her mind in this episode when he broke up with her and it was funny because when he, he she asked him like are you breaking up with me and he's like well technically not because i don't think we were ever together and i was like oh <laughs> um did did this experience make her like change her way of thinking i don't think so i think she's very systematic in what she wants to do and how she's going to go do about it and this is just a minor bump in the road for her that's the impression i got like i think this whole thing meant maybe less to each of them than they both had than they each other had thought i'm not even sure anything changed for either of them that um for say for her next relationship she would still be going back to her sort of to-do list of finding the one which meets all this criteria versus do i actually connect with this person or is this is this sort of the right thing for me right now at this time and 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 I felt the trajectory of the episode was a little bumpy because I was wondering, like, is this about, like, the civil rights struggle in the modern day age? Or um, is it like a slapstick comedy? Because there was a guy who, like, looked like Steve Urkel, like, kept showing up <laughs> yeah. and, like, being taken away scenes. And that kind of took away from the larger theme. Uh, so I was like, is this a serious thing I'm watching? Or is this like a, like a, I don't know, like a not a like a bad attempt at a comedy <laughs> <laughs> there's so many opportunities for 
her to grow. Um, like when she had reconnected with her friend who was the radio host of Dear White People, um, which they only had briefly like touched upon on this episode, this like radio show, um, which has the title of the series. Um, but it seemed like such an opportunity for her to be like, it seemed like they were friends before and that she was like seeing this, like, Oh man, it's been, it's so good to see you. And it's been so long. Um, I wished it had been from her perspective in that way. Cause I didn't really ever know what she was thinking. I was just seeing like what her behaviors were, which is, I guess what we all see each other all the time. She walked in to see this old friend of hers who she presumably hadn't seen for a while. And, uh, when they met each other, they were kind of both glad to see each other for a moment there because they had been friends. But then the person who um, who came in, she immediately got to the point of like, don't protest. Uh, so the whole like meeting up, I don't know how genuine it was. If it was like, you got to the point right away and it was like, I'm, I'm only talking to you because I need this specific thing for you. Um, do you guys think the show is more appealing to white people or black people the, <laughs> the show is directed towards people that like um dramas and who like feeling that like there was like a strong like love story emotional connection in this particular episode um which made me think it could be like either or would enjoy this content but in general who would who does this show attract more of maybe white people because it is dear white people so therefore it's like maybe there's a message for me mm-hmm. as a white person to learn out of this show but i wonder what the stats are there yeah i think it's definitely white people yeah. uh, because um that's where the market is today you're generally creating shows for that large segment and this is clearly one of them um but the message is still like we 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 didn't really uh, so yeah my answer is definitely white people for sure, um, but how do we feel about the whole school segregation concept that this whole show was about? Because it was really about a lot of funding being pulled from the school unless they integrated, and my thought was like, well, of course integration is good, right? That so if I had to like vote in one of those two schools of thought in that moment from based on the information on this episode, I'd be like, yeah, I think integration would be the better option. But this entire show seems to be like the resistance of that. So what do you think the resistance is about? When we're saying integration, what what are we exactly talking about to integrate? Like, um, can we describe some of those means of integration and and then i think i could have a better opinion around um you know whether i'm for or not for what makes more sense like it's unclear to me still uh what's okay from a segregation perspective or an integration perspective because you're gonna have cliques that form which are of a certain like Uh, certain ethnicity and that's just how people like people just fall into that so are we saying that that's not okay and that we need to be integrating those kinds of uh, of clicks together more or are we talking about something else 
I mean, the way that it sounds, it's integrating more students and like broadening a population. And maybe that is the fear that there will be segregations created out of this merger. Um, but I guess, does one of these two parties have reputations that would indicate there would be conflict between the merger or are they just in fear of the exposure of like what you may learn of the different cultures that may be coming in or people of different status. Um, I I feel like there were a lot of different threads in the episode, but holistically, like what was, what was the message? Was it really around um, the integration theme or was it, um, was it something more than that? Because then there was the the whole piece around the protest and how um, uh, uh, Troy and uh, what was the girl's name? I forget her name. Bobo? Coco. Yeah, Coco, Coco, uh, that they were essentially being used as props, right? So that was also one of the the points they made at this fundraiser that um, the reason why they were there were uh, to sort of dispel the fear that black students were just going to cause some kind of trouble um, and that um, that integration was possible. Though you have some people that have an expectation of you, usually an elder position, so they're using these students for whatever reason to show like that it would be a positive thing to integrate the two parties. Coco had said one interesting line, which I thought was a good message to spread, which was, um, don't deny the truth about yourself just because it's good. And sometimes we tend to maybe not play up the good things about ourselves because we don't want to be boastful. Um, but I really liked that, that line. Was there any other lines or, um, messages, maybe not holistically about the episode, but like about the different conversations that you guys liked? again this goes back to like the comedic factor of this uh, of this show where the to-do list that she had you know it had like the number one was like get into winchester which is the school and number two is like find the one and that was her like in the top the title was like life plan has 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 any any of you ever made a life plan <laughs> like written it down in succinctly because i haven't and uh, it seems to help her a lot because it's getting her into a lot of places. So perhaps we should like, what would be the next thing on your life plan? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. I have not made a life plan like a, like that. But in in reading a, a couple different books recently, and and right now I've. I've switched over after I, I finished reading Tools of Titans. I've started reading the the Four Hour Work Week. One of the things that it kind of describes a lot is that it's actually very good to write down your goals, not your life goals, but like in a in like a three to six month window. So if you actually do write things down and then actively plan towards them, uh, then they become achievable. Otherwise, they just they just kind of stay as like high level dreams that are not actually going to happen. So. I wouldn't really agree and, and well, maybe, maybe at a high level, you can have some life goals, but they probably should be mapped back to more actionable items <laughs> on a shorter timeline. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. The visualization aspect of yeah. goal setting is so important and 
And it's so crazy how just like writing it and putting it in front of you can be um, such a driver to make you want to achieve it more because you're like, it's, it's a daily reminder opposed to being something that's like touched upon when you see something or have a particular conversation. Um, but I think even just planning out your life is like a good and a bad thing because to an extent you, you have this plan and and you want to achieve those things. But then when you can't achieve those things, you become like debilitated almost. And, and when really like, um, you like lack living in the moment almost because you're so focused on this thing that you get. And then like, as soon as you get it, you you don't even celebrate that victory. You just move on to the, to the next thing. Um, so I feel like it, it's like a good thing in a way to have that structure, but at the same time, it's kind of, um, a scary balance to have to maintain. I think we don't stop and think, uh, to celebrate our successes as much as we dwell on, uh, on, on our failures. Like we'll definitely spend more time on thinking about what's wrong than what's uh, what's right. Uh, I think that's just normal human uh, human wiring. Does it help you achieve your goal more if you make it if you tell somebody about your goal, or uh, does keeping it internally help more? Which one do you guys prefer more? I think telling someone like at the level of accountability, which you may have with yourself but not to the same degree as having it with like a peer who you have respect for and who you may feel um embarrassed about if you don't accomplish this goal after you've communicated it to them um and i think that that's a powerful thing about telling someone about it rather than just keeping it to yourself or thinking about it because whenever you vocalize it it becomes like an inch realer than it was before you hadn't told someone Mm mm-hmm I think it it really comes back to accountability of the person that you're telling. If they're following up and asking you, hey, so how's that going? Um, Then it's like a checkpoint for you versus just having your own internal checkpoints. And so, yeah. I think that like sometimes you do have goals that might not be things that you vocalize to others because maybe they're like a personal thing that you're working on that you don't want to like share outwardly at this point, maybe until you've like more so conquered this particular thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like depending on what it is, I think it's definitely, it's always more helpful to like talk about it. Yeah. There was um, another thread was um, when Coco was having sex with this guy for the first time um, and he pulls her wig off and she completely like cowers away is so embarrassed and like he's like it's fine don't worry like whatever um and there are sometimes these moments in life where you should really just be able to like laugh off what is happening to you in that moment but really it feels like super embarrassing um has there ever been any moments for you guys like not necessarily sexually that um might have been um felt embarrassing but like you have been able to since like laugh off later I can think of many in dating, definitely. Like even when I when, when I took her to like Bombay Palace, I was like, "Oh fuck, where am I taking her? <laughs> like, where is this place?" Then I moved on. Those moments of embarrassment, you moved on. Is that is that like a that was yeah that spot? was our first date. Oh, it was, <laughs> yeah, Bombay Palace. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "Why are we here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like specific moments, but like um, there was a period of time where Vine was a really big thing, six second um, looped videos. Um, 
And I would often do really embarrassing things that in the moment I was like, why am I doing this um, in a public setting? Because like the feeling of embarrassment of like people witnessing me doing that thing um, in particular one was we were in my friend, Julia, Laura, and I went to Chicago and we went to Oktoberfest and it was in some church hall um, and they convinced me to get the mop there was like a mop on a stage somewhere and they convinced me to go up onto the stage and grab the mop and like do a dance across the stage and there was all of these like old people in this hall and we had like filmed this vine um and in the moment obviously i had like liquid courage but um i was able to laugh about it more so after but also because it was documented and i was like yeah that was in fact funny so it's fine um but i often will do things that are embarrassing for the pleasure of people around me i mean there's that video out there of me like almost getting arrested which is pretty funny <laughs> now that we look back on it but at the time it was pretty, pretty i don't know i was protesting a protest much like in this uh, episode yeah yeah he just was yelling at some protesters <laughs> And then um, got the the police involved <laughs> because of your yelling at these protests. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But the the hair scene, I was. Um, the first question was like, how long have they been together that he hasn't noticed the hair? First night. Oh, was it the first night? I don't know. It's definitely. It seemed like early to your to your point, Zarar. I think he knew, but she just like that's not something you discuss. That's all. I'm just saying that they, yeah. they, they didn't give much indication on the length of the relationship, but they did say that she was telling him their kids' names. Yeah, it wasn't the first So date. it can't be a first yeah. night unless that's the level. She was also playing out the entire story, like from okay, inception yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, and it was in like a later part of the episode where she was like, I said that to you and you didn't say anything. So to mm -hmm. me, I was like, okay, you said it to him that one time. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh shit, I didn't say anything. If somebody asked you at work or whatever, hey, you know, have you heard of this uh, uh, this series? Um, what, what would your reaction be like? Hey, yeah, it's it's about X. For me, at this point, I would say that it's it's likely about being uh, a black student at a predominantly white, like a prestigious university maybe more sat satirical in that sense, right? Of making kind of fun of how, uh, of how things are. But in this one, it wasn't very, it was just, it was basically campus politics to me. Like yeah. it was not anything larger than that. Um, I don't know if you've guys, if you guys have seen the show uh, insecure, it's an HBO show about, um, essentially a, a group of black girls, but focuses on two and also has that sort of lens on interactions between how it is to, to be black in a in predominantly white environments, like whether it's in the workplace or there's there's one girl who works, she, she's like a, a top lawyer and works at a law firm and the kinds of situations that she's uh, she encounters. But I feel like that show uh, has a similar sort of thread or commentary around how things are. Like it, it's 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 well done. If I think about if I would want to watch this show, and I guess that's a question for you guys as well. That after this one episode of 
episode nine, would you go back and, and watch another episode of Dear White People? For me, the answer is no. I would instead tell other people that, hey, instead of watching Dear White People, you should watch Insecure. <laughs> if it was me, I don't think I would watch Dear White People again. I think it would have been a more powerful approach to have told the story from her perspective with her as the narrator, narrator um, instead of it being someone else. Because um, as much it was as it was like watching everything play out, um, if you're trying to get across like um, what it's like to be a black person in a white person's environment, then tell it to me from that person's perspective. It just didn't feel serious to me. So one example is um, When They See Us, which is also on Netflix, which is about the Central Park Five. You could pick that up in any episode and you could get the point and the seriousness of, of what the whole story is about. And this one, I think, is trying to make similar points, but maybe in a different pocket of society, almost at a, at a, at a level where you couldn't really grasp any tension. Right. At no point did I feel like in the show there is an actual tension between two parties that I should care about. There was no like real um, social injustice tension that I felt in this one. So that's why uh, I, I was really into it. Well, at least it was a quick 20 minutes and we didn't have to invest a whole lot of time. So for the folks who may be thinking, oh, this might be this might have been intriguing enough based on what they've talked about. Worry not. It's it's really fast and and you can decide for yourself. There was one quote that uh, I also wrote down. Um, secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone. That's one of those like funny but also dark statements, which could easily be converted into like one of those dark nursery rhymes. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> how do you say it, Kate? Ringa, ringa. Ring around the rosy, yeah, which I say it wrong, so I asked her to say it. Yeah. There's like an innocence to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever listen to college radio when you were in college? Yeah, that like exists on campus. Mm -hmm. um, but I never experienced that, though I knew they existed at my yeah. school. I just never listened or investigated. Yeah, I, I had a show on it for one day. Really? Yeah, me and Dean, the friend of mine... Uh, the college radio was only being played in like the cafeteria and there was nobody in the cafeteria. And I think it was just like that hallway in the cafeteria was being heard. But we, but, we, but on our resumes, it was like, yeah, man, college radio professionals. Like, right <laughs> professionals. Certainly more than yeah. one episode worth of experience <laughs> on my resume. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was being recorded even. I think it was just live. <laughs> nobody bothered to put an SD card in there. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Um, yeah. Final thoughts. Um, final thoughts. Uh, watch insecure. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Thank you, dear white people, for all of the great conversation threads that you provided us. Um, until next time, this is Perfect Life. Hardly becomes me this game.